story seven of stories weird and wonderful this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Stories Weird and Wonderful by J. E. Muddock. John MacDougall's Double. It boots not to indicate the precise locale of the truly remarkable incidents I am about to narrate. It is true that the many years that have passed have caused the details to fade from the public memory but nevertheless there are reasons why the identity of the person and region should be concealed though no doubt some of those who read this will recognize the spot from the description that follows being of a studious disposition and loving solitude it was long my habit to make journeys on horseback through the least frequented parts of the country this mode of locomotion suited me for i was a valetudinarian and the exercise was necessary to my well-being i loved to dream too to work out problems as i rode along and it suited my peculiar temperament to start off on these journeys in an aimless way that is to lay down no rule or route but to wander just where the spirit of the hour or some passing fancy led me it thus chanced that in the summer of eighteen something i started for a week's holiday in this eccentric fashion and turned my horse's head northward it was my custom to carry such refreshments as i might require during the day in a small knapsack and being a very abstemious man rather however from compulsion than choice my needs were few and simple at night i usually managed to find accommodation and hospitality for man and beast in some village hostelry or roadside inn i loved the out-of-the-way places rural simplicity and quietness and in so far as i followed any fixed plan i was careful to avoid the great commercial centres and the thronged highways the leafy lanes the woodland tracks the breezy moorlands were more to my taste one sunny afternoon i found myself in a very wild but picturesque part of the country heather-clad hills rose up in a sort of amphitheatre save to the west where there was a break and the eye travelled out to a great strip of the blue atlantic ocean whose ponderous billows foamed on the iron rocks that terminated the land on that side it had been a sullen morning sultry and gloomy the sky had been cloudless and the sea of a sepia tint illuminated here and there with passing shafts of light that gleamed from rents in the clouds there had been such an utter absence of motion in the air that the sullenness and the deceptive calm impressed one with a sense of impending disaster as the afternoon advanced 
it became more evident that a storm was brewing and not deeming it wise to longer ignore the portents i began to cast about me for some place of shelter the country however might have been in the heart of uninhabited africa for any sign there was of human life the landscape moreover was so much broken up by depressions rises and strips of woodland that only a very limited area could be surveyed by the eye of the traveller who knew not therefore whether the next dip or next rise would reveal the presence of some snug and nestling village or town the main road was badly kept and must have been a mere quagmire in the winter many bypaths and tracks ran off at various angles but there was nothing to indicate where the paths led to though it was reasonable to suppose that they had some connection with human dwellings already heavy drops of rain had commenced to fall and warned me to lose no further time in seeking shelter but where that was the question i reined in my horse stood up in the stirrups and ran my eye all round but i could see no signs of a house about a quarter of a mile ahead the road was carried through a cutting and in the absence of anything better i thought that would afford at least partial shelter i therefore gave my beast his head just as a blinding zigzag of lightning tore through the black heavens and seemed to burst open the floodgates for down came the rain in a deluge i remember nothing like it for suddenness and severity it was really as if some upholding force had been swept away causing the water to tumble out of the heavens in unbroken streams in less than a minute an extraordinary burst of thunder shook the solid earth causing my good steed to swerve and manifest every indication of fright he was a faithful intelligent animal that had carried me many hundreds of miles but he was exceedingly sensitive and nervous and so i patted his neck coaxed him and spoke kindly in his ear and he consented to go forward until we entered the cutting the banks of which on each side rose to a considerable height and were densely wooded the consequence being that the road hereabouts was wrapped in gloom once more there leapt from the sky a vivid flash of fire followed almost immediately by a peal of thunder that was like the roll of heavy artillery my horse reared and plunged to such an extent that i slipped out of the saddle in order to lead him by the bridle and as i did so i was surprised to see a strange wild-looking man standing in the very centre of the road he was hatless and his long dark hair was sodden with the rain while his face seemed to me to be cadaverous and white he was tall and powerful and dressed somewhat after the fashion of a gamekeeper he wore a woollen shirt that was open at the neck 
and revealed a considerable portion of the upper part of his chest that i noted was covered with a mass of dark hair he seemed utterly indifferent to the pouring rain and had the appearance of one who was drenched to the skin yet he stood there motionless and unconcerned and as it appeared to me with a savage glowering expression on his face hailing him i asked if there was a place of shelter or a house near and at that moment my horse swerved again as the heavens were once more illuminated with the lightning this distracted my attention for some moments as by the toss of his head he nearly pulled the bridle out of my hand when i had pacified him and turned to address the man i was dumbfounded to find that he was no longer there i called loudly two or three times but there was no response and i began to ask myself whether my senses had not deluded me for what manner of man could it have been who could thus have ignored my question seeing the plight and distress i was in but i put the idea of a delusion from me as unworthy of serious thought i had noted every detail of the strange man and could have sworn to him amongst a thousand then suddenly it occurred to me that he was a robber that he had companions near and had gone to warn them of my approach i therefore drew out a double-barrelled pistol i always carried in my knapsack and put it into the side pocket of my coat ready for immediate use in case of need i advanced for some yards leading the horse and keeping my eyes about me but i saw no sign of human being and the only sounds i heard were the rushing of the rain and the shriek of the wind through the trees fortunately on one side of the road was a large hollow from which stone had been taken the top part projected very much and was overhung with trees so that it afforded a partial shelter i placed my horse against the rock and still held his bridle on my arm and thrusting my free hand in my pocket i grasped my pistol and waited in suspense expecting every moment to be attacked for it had become a conviction with me that the man i had seen was a footpad perhaps a gypsy and that he would presently return with companions and attempt to murder and rob me but an hour or more passed and he had not made his appearance gradually the storm died away and the sky was enlivened by little patches of dark blue though over the hills hung dense and ragged masses of sombre clouds mounting my horse once more i rode forward and in a little while i debouched upon an extraordinarily weird-looking stretch of country the gloaming was falling the blue strips of sky had deepened and a strange wild stormlight came from seaward as i saw the landscape under these atmospheric aspects 
there was something positively ghastly about it here and there were groups of grotesque and distorted trees huddled together in the gloom like whispering conspirators and these were alternated by open spaces encircled by boulders that were suggestive of forgotten altars of some unholy worship as i rode on in the gathering darkness quickening my pace in my anxiety to find some shelter for the night i passed straggling birch trees whose white trunks gleamed ghostly and pallid amongst the deeper shades around there were lonely pools begirt with rustling reeds and from them now and again arose the melancholy boom of the bittern on the banks of the streamlet now hoarsely gurgling after the heavy rain were blasted and stunted trees that in the uncertain light looked like withered witches who brooding on some deed of blood had suddenly been stricken stiff by some avenging power as i rode through this nightmare landscape over which the shades of darkness were fast falling there was occasionally a whir of wings and a harsh cry startled me from time to time owls darted across my path looking like little grey ghosts and frogs croaked hoarsely in the reeds i gave my beast the bridle he lengthened his strides the tree trunks ran into one another overhead blinked a star or two between the rifts i seemed to lose my identity and to be swept onward a flying phantom in a land of shadows in a little while i perceived a light ahead and had no doubt that it proceeded from a human habitation so putting my horse to his fastest trot i soon came to a whitewashed building that i saw at once was an inn and never did jaded traveller welcome an inn as i did this alighting i rapped on the door with my riding-whip and immediately there appeared a buxom jovial red-cheeked woman who in answer to my query as to whether i could have lodging and refreshment for myself and horse said certainly and ringing the bell for the ostler to whom she gave instructions to care for my beast she led me into the house and lighting a candle in a brass stand that gleamed like gold she showed me upstairs and into a room that was redolent with lavender and comfortably furnished the linen of the bed was white as driven snow and the mahogany furniture polished until it was like a mirror having changed my clothes and refreshed myself with a wash i descended to the dining-room where the same scrupulous cleanliness and care were displayed a snowy cloth was on the table that was spread with good things a luscious ham a roasted chicken fresh butter delicious honey homemade bread tea toast etc to all of which i did ample justice for i was as hungry as a hunter the genial landlady waited upon me and chattered pleasantly the while 
and from her i learned that the town of e was only two miles away her name was macdougall and she and her husband had kept the house for something like ten years it stood on the estate of the duke of d and john macdougall was a gamekeeper in the service of his grace having made a most hearty meal and ascertained that my horse had been well cared for i filled my pipe and my hostess said that if i did not object she had no doubt her husband would be glad to keep me company i thanked her for the suggestion assured her that i should be delighted and throwing myself on a couch i fell to dreaming pleasant dreams as i watched the smoke from my pipe curl ceiling wood in about ten minutes a knock came to the door and in reply to my come in the landlord john macdougall presented himself as i cast my eyes upon him i almost uttered a cry of amazement for he bore such a striking resemblance to the weird-like creature i had seen on the road during the thunderstorm and who had been deaf to my entreaties for assistance as i rose into a sitting posture i said i think we've met before indeed when an hour or two ago in the cutting there on the road and during the time that the storm was at its height you are certainly mistaken sir he answered with a laugh i have been in the gamekeeper's lodge on the duke of d's estate all the afternoon and having been up the whole of the previous night i slept for some hours and was not disturbed by the storm i was incredulous and stared at the man trying to read his thoughts but his dark eyes met mine fearlessly and his face was full of frank openness moreover his face was not cadaverous and ghostly like that of the man i had seen on the road but was plump and rubicund but still in all other respects he was a facsimile rising i extended my hand and he took it and as i held his i peered into his dark eyes and said can you solemnly say you have never looked upon me before most solemnly he exclaimed at any rate not to my knowledge i was puzzled but not convinced i could not dismiss from my mind the idea that in some way the man was deceiving me yet as i studied him i found that in some details he differed from the man i had seen on the road though the details chiefly had reference to the wildness of the eyes and the white ghastly face my host's eyes were soft and mild almost like a fawn's while his face as i have already said was round and rubicund i did not discuss the subject further with john macdougall but i felt there was something strange some mystery to be accounted for and i confess to having had a yearning desire 
to clear the mystery up when i rose on the following morning i found there was a daughter of the house by name rosa a pretty dark-eyed dark-haired girl of two or three-and-twenty unmistakably macdougall's daughter but while she had his features and complexion she was fragile with a pale thoughtful pensive face she was a pleasant girl with a sweet voice and engaging manner so that i was glad to converse with her with rustic ingenuousness she offered to conduct me to the ruins of a notable castle that overhung the sea a mile and a half away and gladly accepting her company i started on foot i found her well versed in the topography of the country as well as its local history and she afforded me much information the ruins were singularly picturesque they stood on a bold wind-swept rock around whose base the atlantic billows ceaselessly made war as i stood in the ruins listening to the thunder of the waters and drinking in deep draughts of the rich ozonized air that came off the face of the ocean something prompted me to tell rosa of my little adventure of the preceding day and i wound up with saying when i saw your father i was amazed at the likeness he bore to the strange being i met in the road as i made this remark i saw the girl turn deadly pale while in a voice that seemed to me to ring with sorrow she said it must have been my father's double you saw at first i did not know whether to take this in earnest or whether it was a mere expression that had no implied meaning but before i could make any reply she exclaimed with every indication of mental anguish oh how foolish of me to tell you that you who are an utter stranger i was struck with the girl's manner moreover what she told me at once afforded an explanation of the mystery and though there were plenty of people who would have laughed the idea to scorn as unworthy of even a passing thought from men of sense i was not one of them and yet i had generally been credited with possessing an average amount of sense but i am a believer in the occult sciences i have always been of opinion that there are mighty wonders in connection with our natures of which we have no conception so your father has a double then i remarked with solemn gravity yes yes she answered in trepidation but i cannot speak more about it please let us go back she was evidently affected so that i had not the hardihood to ply her with further questions but complied with her request my interest however had been aroused and i resolved to try and learn something more about john mcdougall's double on leaving my home it had been my intention to be absent a week the week had already expired 
but i found this country inn so comfortable and attractive that i was induced to prolong my stay fortunately i was pretty well master of my time and so had no need to consult any one that afternoon rosa came to me and in a distressful voice and with tears in her eyes she said oh sir i pray you mention nothing to my parents of what i told you this morning when the subject is referred to in my father's presence it almost drives him mad i promised her that i would keep my own counsel but i was determined to learn something more before leaving the neighbourhood the subject had a perfect fascination for me and i could not resist it being naturally of an inquisitive temperament i asked many questions about many things of the old country people who resided in the neighbourhood and i soon learned that for a long time they had been living in a state of terror owing to a series of truly astounding murders while all attempts to detect the perpetrator of these crimes had failed first there was a woman a hawker found in a ditch by the roadside then a farm labourer who had been ploughing all day and was returning with his horses in the evening was killed near a wood again a well-known farmer who had been to the market town was discovered the following morning dead on the highway his horse browsing nearby this was followed by the murder of a servant girl in a field then a sailor on tramp was the victim and finally a country carrier who had travelled the road for many years went to swell the list now these crimes were in the highest degree mysterious for in no case was robbery the motive the deceased's belongings being intact while all the victims without exception were killed by being strangled with the hand the throat of each was black and bruised and showed unmistakably the deep indents of thumbs and fingers every endeavour possible even to the offering of a large reward had been made to discover the author of these extraordinary murders but without avail nothing was got that would even justify a suspicion against any particular person then again what was the motive which prompted the outrages it seemed to be literally a mere love of killing i was greatly interested and pondered deeply on the subject and i tried by every process of reasoning to find some feasible theory of the crimes the absence of apparent motive only added of course to the inscrutable mystery one thing was certain the murderer must have been a remarkably powerful man to accomplish his purpose as he had done and a cunning man also to have defied detection so long suddenly as i dwelt upon the subject it flashed across my mind that john mcdougall was the murderer through his double i could not help this thought as i remembered that wild 
fierce powerful fellow i had seen on the road of course your men of common sense as they would have been pleased to have termed themselves would have laughed me to scorn for such an idea but it was not my habit to reject a proposition as untenable simply because known laws would not apply to it and very soon i was to receive a fearful practical illustration that i was right at the end of my week's stay at the inn a new guest arrived he was a traveller for the great firm of b and company of manchester he was a little sharp-eyed genial man who had been on the road for many years and was full of anecdote and bonhomie we soon struck up an acquaintance and spent the evening together until a late hour when we both retired he occupied a room next to mine and about four o'clock in the morning i was awakened by an extraordinary sound proceeding from his room daylight was already breaking and a soft rosy light was stealing over the landscape and showing through my blind i sprang out of bed and listened and i became convinced i could hear the scuffling of feet and a strange gurgling sound as if someone was gasping for breath and was in great pain instantly a terrible thought seized me and rushing out of my own room i hurried to my neighbour's flinging open his door without knocking then i was rooted to the spot with horror for in the uncertain light i discerned a sight that froze my blood on the bed was the commercial traveller and standing at the side was the fierce wild man who had confronted me in the cutting on the road his hands were round the traveller's throat before i could recover from the shock he turned upon me his face was fiendish in its fierce expression foam was about his lips and his eyes blazed like living coals with a sudden movement he strode over to me and with a sweep of his arms hurled me into a corner i think i must have been stunned for there was a blank that i could not fill up when i recovered it was almost full daylight i rose and went to the bed and was appalled to find that the commercial traveller was dead he had been strangled and his throat was swollen and black i hurried to john mcdougall's room the door was locked but putting my shoulder to it i burst it open john mcdougall was in his bed he was in a deep trance-like sleep and his breathing was not perceptible his face was deathly pale but placid i called him by his name and shook him but without avail his wife who slept in an adjoining room came rushing in i told her that murder had been done in the house and her husband was the murderer she uttered a wild shriek of despair and exclaimed it is false 
my husband sleeps as you see i was dumbfounded in the presence of this awful mystery for mystery it was was i a victim of some horrible nightmare no for in a few minutes the aroused household discovered that the commercial traveller had been too surely strangled it was eight o'clock before john mcdougall awoke from his strange sleep he looked dazed and ill and i shrank from him as from something uncanny i had dispatched a messenger to the town for the police who soon arrived and an investigation into the circumstances of the crime was made my position was a most unenviable one i had absolutely witnessed the murder had seen the murderer and recognized him as a man i had met before and who was exactly like john mcdougall and yet within half an hour at the most of my witnessing the crime i beheld john mcdougall soundly sleeping in his bed as a truthful man i could do no more than state what i had seen and the result was mcdougall was arrested in due course he was brought to trial and i was forced to appear as a witness against him the story i told naturally created amazement and incredulity the prisoner's wife and daughter who usually slept with her mother in the room adjoining that of the prisoner swore that to the best of their belief he had never left his room on the night of the crime his employer the duke of d gave him an excellent character as a quiet inoffensive man as did also his neighbours and save for my story there was nothing at all to connect him with the murder the result was that everyone believed the murder had been committed by another man resembling john mcdougall and the prisoner was acquitted and he and his family emigrated to australia though he himself never reached that country he disappeared suddenly one night and was never seen again it was supposed that he either jumped or fell overboard the murderer of the commercial traveller in the lonely inn and of the six other persons all of whom had been killed in the same manner by strangulation was never discovered and never will be till the end of time all the circumstances of the crimes were involved in awful mystery that defied human penetration but i have never had any doubt in my own mind that the unfortunate people were done to death by john mcdougall's double who was his double can there be any other answer than that while the real man was in a sort of trance state his other self fierce and bloodthirsty issued forth to prey like a ghoul on those with whom he came in contact and often have i shuddered as i have remembered how i met this ghoul in the lonely cutting during the thunderstorm and who but for some inexplicable reason would have added me to his list of victims 
truly there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy End of story seven